For years, the National Institute of Standards and Technology has provided guidance known as Special Publication 861, Computer Security Incident Handling Guide. Now, this is developing related guidance to be called Special Publication 800-150, Computer Security Incident Coordination, and has issued a request for information to get ideas to incorporate into the new report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the new guidance, I'm pleased to be joined by Lee Badger. He's the manager of the Security Components and Mechanisms Group at NIST. Welcome, Lee. Hello. First off, please take a few moments to explain the difference between the existing Computer Security Incident Handling Guide and the forthcoming Computer Security Incident Coordination publication. The original document, 861, is really uh, providing guidance about how to set up and organize an incident response team. That has basically four pieces, preparation, detection and analysis, containment, eradication and recovery, that's the third piece, and post-incident activity. This is a very important document. One of the topics that the document covers, though, a little more abstractly than others, has to do with the coordination between computer security incident response teams. And so while 861 does cover it, that's not the focus of 861. However, uh, the coordination between these kinds of responding teams is really crucial to preserving security and recovering from incidents because what one team learns, another team can benefit from. And so that's the focus of our follow-on document. I want to get that in a moment. But first off, the new guidance, who will be the audience for it? The audience for the new guidance will basically be system administrators, system owners, basically everyone in the information technology management chain, information owners, responders, obviously, security officers. Computer security incidents could involve more than one organization. What challenges exist in coordinating incident response among several organizations? There are at least several. One is that while it's important to share information to help another incident response team, sometimes the information that you would like to share carries uh, sensitivity. It might contain uh, personally identifiable information, or it might contain proprietary information, or it might reveal techniques that are in use by an attacker, or it might just reveal that you're having an attack, and so that carries some reputational risk. There's a balance that has to be struck between sharing when it's appropriate, but not exposing yourself or others to risk through undue disclosure. And when you talk about coordination among different, are you talking about incident handling teams or is there coordination among other parties as well? It's primarily between the teams. We're writing this guidance for the benefit of the teams. However, a computer security incident response team will interact with a number of other parties in the process of doing what it does. It'll have to interact with customers and ISPs and law enforcement and management at various organizations. Let me just back up a bit. From your vantage point, do you think most organizations have these these response teams in place or is it often an ad hoc approach? Well, I can't say what most organizations do. However, I can tell you that different industrial sectors do have uh, computer security incident response teams and associated information sharing centers that express policies for a particular sector of the economy. The so-called ISACs. Yes. 
Sea certs are also operated by other nations. Lots of large companies have response teams and agencies in the government, of course, have response teams. If you look at some of the large companies, they might have more than one response teams. There's a question of inter-team coordination both within a large organization and between organizations. Within your RFI, there are 38 questions, and that shows that NIST is or even thinking about this new report and you're not working in a vacuum. Can you provide a few examples of the type of guidance that will likely be found in this report? I would prefer not to get specific about it until we've had a chance to collect and analyze the response to the RFI. We certainly, though, want to develop guidance that would, for instance, characterize the kinds of information beneficial for exchange between incident response teams, maybe provide some way of structuring it and understanding it so that it can be done more quickly and more reliably when an incident actually may be unfolding. Another kind of guidance that we're interested in is guidance on how to form and maintain uh, circles of trust. Today, response teams seem to be organized substantially around the skills and reputations of um, significant members. Those folks trust one another because they know one another and they've helped each other in the past. And so having a network of folks that you feel comfortable with, that they won't uh, disclose inappropriately information, and that they have technical skills that can help while an incident is in progress. Having that circle of trust is very beneficial, but the process of forming such a circle of trust is informal today. We're hoping that we'll get some feedback in this RFI that will help us get a little leverage on that problem of how to establish and maintain those kinds of uh, sharing relationships. So when you talk about coordinating incident response, one organization could be under attack, for example, and the same problem they're facing may not be faced by another organization, but that other organization could be called upon to help mitigate this? Well, that's one scenario. And in fact, in, in uh, some circles of trust, that does happen. So oftentimes they don't really say, hey, I'm under attack. It would be more like, I've seen these kinds of indicators, these kinds of bits of information or behavior in the network, and does anybody have related information? Or I've seen, say, a piece of malware. And so it's often not necessary for a participant to, to indicate that, that they've been damaged, but just the ability to talk about indicators of attack will usually be enough. So one of the objectives of this guidance is to expand the expertise available to an organization to understand cyber threats? Yes. The RFI raises questions about risks of collaborative incident response and technologies that have been found ineffective. They sort of have sort of a negative connotation in what you're seeking. What does NIST hope to learn from those examples? We are hoping in this RFI to collect the insights of actual practitioners about technologies or techniques or even procedures or methodologies that have been beneficial in the past and that seem to be scalable you know, to the very large networks that we see coming in the future. On the other side, we're explicitly asking uh, practitioners to give us insight 
about the kinds of guidance that would actually could be harmful by, say, requiring processes that are onerous or that are slow or too encumbered. When you learn about these things that could be a hindrance, would this be mentioned in the guidance or is this just something that you learn and won't put into the guidance? Ah, that's an interesting question. I think generally we would be silent rather than listing things that we're explicitly not saying. However, if there's a you know, chance of ambiguity or you know, misunderstanding, then we go ahead and articulate some guidance that we, we think is not a good idea. <laughs> you know, just, just to clarify that we're not suggesting a particular piece of guidance. So by month's end, you'll have these responses to the RFI. Uh, what happens next? We'll review and analyze and collate. Of course, all of these responses are public and will be posted publicly. After that, we will start working on a draft of our document. We'll probably have a number of follow-on meetings with uh, folks who have responded to the RFI if they want to and uh, try to do some deeper dives depending on the answers that we've received. It's likely that at some point there will be a workshop, then there will be a, a public draft of uh, SP 800-150. Any timetable in any of this? Well, we certainly have a timetable in mind. However, it seems to be sliding. <laughs> Lots of work out there to do. Yeah, yeah. Anything else you would like to add? One of the elements we haven't talked about yet that, that is going to be important to our work is understanding the differences between different organizations and their capabilities. So some organizations are, are very mature and have made a big investment in incident response and coordination. And other organizations are less mature or they're smaller and they have fewer resources to devote to this kind of function. Part of the challenge of this work is trying to provide guidance that is actionable, that is helpful both to the large and sophisticated organizations and to the organizations that just haven't had as much time or as many resources to pour into it. Well, I'm sure we're all looking forward to seeing this guidance. Well, thanks, Lee. Okay. I've been speaking with Lee Badger of NIST about the forthcoming guidance, Computer Security Incidents Handling. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.